How about this fucking team right here? Dustin Brown, short-handed for LA. Score! Here is Goligoski. He gets leveled at the blue line by Dowdy. Food for it, cheer for uh, Kind of like it. Richard throws it in front. Carter scores! Well done, boy. There's some swagger. Push come to shove. We're going to get it done. This is for you, Kings fans, wherever you may be. Hey everybody, welcome to the 11th episode of the Thanks Bud Podcast. I am Chanel Berlin. And I'm Diane Fan. And the Kings won last night. Not only did they win, but it was a shutout. Martin Jones, second NHL game, first shutout. Not bad. I'm real, pr- I'm real proud of him. I'm real proud for him. Yeah, it was great. Glad, I'm glad that the Kings could score some goals for him. Oh, really? Yeah. And it's not like they went sort of above and beyond on the type of goal scoring. I mean, it took until the second period, as has been the trend for the last several games. And then they managed to get another one. But I'm glad they didn't, you know... And actually, that's not true, because they did give up quite a few, like, point-blank chances. Just, I'm really glad that Martin Jones was on his game and didn't allow the Islanders to tie it up at any point or even score anything. Yeah, on the score sheet, I believe it was something like 27 giveaways to the Islanders' eight giveaways or something like that. So, you know, Martin Jones doing work and giving us a week of winning. We won every game this week. Yes. Yes. That's that's a weird and surprising feeling to have, not being sad about a game that's just Right. There wasn't something like heinously embarrassing that happened at some point. Uh, yeah, the Kings played p- pretty strong, actually, throughout this week. I, weirdly, or not so weirdly, because they love giving bad teams a chance, but weirdly, in some way, the Islanders game was their weakest, and even that one, they got stronger as it went on. But the other two were great. They killed the Blues, which is tradition, and the Ducks, they sort of dominated them as well. They couldn't put things in net, but that's not super surprising since it's the Kings. But they still just had all kinds of control of uh, the Honda Center the other day. That's true. It was awesome. And there was a lot of a lot of action for Martin Jones' first game with the nine-round shootout. Yeah, the craziest. Which was agony for me. <laughs> for whatever reason, they decided to let the Kings go first, which made it more stressful for to me for some reason. <laughs> I don't really know why. Oh, absolutely, because... Because every single time the Kings didn't score, I was like, oh, God, if this person scores, it's over. Right, this is it. And it was just, it was terrible. <laughs> but uh, thank goodness for Dwight King is a sentence I just said. How many times How many times have we said that this year, though? Yeah. It's baffling. It's, he continues to be surprisingly uh, useful for this team. And I guess, I mean, I guess it shouldn't be so surprising. He had, he came in late his first season with the Kings, and then he had a slumpy sophomore season, which, you know, is not unheard of. So he's bouncing back, but he just continues to be impressive and show up in big ways. And it's still surprising. I don't know. So quick stats update for everybody. Points leader still Andre Kopitar. You shouldn't be surprised. He's got 25 points, eight goals, including uh, the goal he scored last night and 17 assists. Goals leader is still Justin Williams with his 10 goals. Um, Although obviously Kopitar is coming up on him now. Carter, King and Toffoli all have seven. Toffoli actually is someone else who continues to be awesome to watch since he is just proving what we all kind of knew and hoped would continue with him, which is that he is a points guy. He's, he scores. He makes it happen. That's that's my favorite thing is kind of looking at the, the rookie stats 
and all of that. And, you know, he's not at the very top, but he's, like, up there, top 10 in pretty much every category. But then you start looking at games played, and while all the other rookies have played, you know, pretty much the full season so far, you know, 30, 28 games or what have you, Toffoli has only played about half that amount. Yeah, and yet he's And yet he's still putting up these numbers, and it's awesome. so awesome, and I can't wait. I mean, I feel like I shouldn't say this kind of thing because it's a little cocky or whatever, and it's the Kings, and they are allergic to too much success, but I feel like Tyler Toffoli is totally capable of, at some point, uh, breaching that top spot in rookie scoring, and then it will be a glorious day. I hope it happens. It seems like it's possible for him uh, with the pace he's on, and I can't wait for it. Me too. I'm really excited. Also, just any... Honestly, any chance to yell top titty in inappropriate places is something that I get excited for. So stats looking good so far for the Kings. Um, They're currently fourth in the league, still third in the Pacific Division because life is hard. But it's been exciting. Um, Like we already said, Martin Jones with his two, like right now, Martin Jones is undefeated in the NHL. So that's pretty good. It's only two games, but way to go so far and um which obviously just a quick reminder because we can't not remind you this means that trevor lewis still without a point (laughs) he's not in right now which makes it a little difficult but he's still the only player who is not quite producing even though when he was in he was playing well interesting fact from extra skater yesterday trevor lewis and colton orr are the only players in the nhl who have played 20 plus games who have recorded no points that's sad. Yeah. I mean, at least Trevor Lewis isn't alone. <laughs> yeah, but he's with Colton Orr. Colton Orr, if y'all remember, um, him and his flare-up with George Peros, who was the one who punched him and kind of George Peros fell through the ice, got knocked out, so on and so forth. That's been Colton Orr's uh, shining moment this season. <laughs> yeah. Trevor Lewis, I guess, has a bunch of failed breakaways. This has been... At, or being a goalie. See, I've already forgotten. He's been gone and not doing anything, oh, but I've forgotten yeah. all of this all of the things he's done. <laughs> Poor um, but, I mean, here's hoping that this will be fixed. Uh, yeah, I hope he, he uh, turns it around. I'm not sure when he's coming back. I know he's been skating, um, but there's no timetable yet. And then when eventually he comes back, which will hopefully be fairly soon, he uh, just turns it around that night. Two goals, an assist. I don't know. Maybe fight somebody. Go for the Gordie Howe. Go for the actual hat trick. I Do what you want, Trevor Lewis. It's your world. I mean, I'm going to say just go for, like, eight goals. Whatever. Pull a Sam Gagne. Have an eight-point night. (laughs) Come on, Trevor Trevor Lewis. Lewis Do this for us. Eight-point night. Yes, that's what I want. Oh, God. If the Kings scored eight goals, please. Right, yeah. Although they got close with the seven. I mean, I feel like it's maybe too much to hope for eight at this point, but... Also, the the teams that are coming up around the time that he would be around, uh, I don't know about being able to score... Oh, yeah. Eight goals on them. It's, it's, It's kind of a rough go uh december and january in terms of teams that the kings play right i mean if he gets better by the uh the 17th we're playing the oilers that's very true i i would love to see them i'm still waiting for like a king's blowout game i feel like they haven't quite had one yet i mean they've had a couple that are sort of that probably the most exciting one i think in terms of watching that was the closest at and at least the score showed it, was the um, uh, game against the Canucks where the this, this final score was 5-1. But yeah. even still, like I feel like with the amount of possession that they've had in many games, still not quite seeing the blowout that they deserve sometimes. Like, I know the score, the score was 5-1, but it didn't feel like a really just, like, uh, 
them running over the Canucks. Right. Like, obviously, the score sheet reflects that, but the play didn't necessarily... I didn't think that it seemed that way, but I keep thinking of, well, like, the Stars game against the Flames when they scored seven goals or what have you. That seemed like a shit show. Yeah. You know, there was that thing going around this week and what, that I mentioned in one of the blogs, Jules from the Crown, they were talking about how when you look at the stats or whatever, they're of the top 10 most dominant games in terms of one team in terms of one team having possession the kings at the time i don't know if it's still true this was earlier in the week the kings had had three of them and all three of those games had gone to a shootout and then in number 11 was a game that they had lost in regulation so i don't know what it is they've had these crazy possessive games and then can't quite manage to put together just the massacre that I feel we all deserve to see. It's infuriating. I think we talked about it last week, but it's one of those things where all of the all of the elements are there. Yeah. All of the tools are there for them to demolish people, and yet they can't get the puck in the net. Right, yeah. I don't know. It's I don't get it, and it hurts me, and I really want to see it. I feel like it has <laughs> to be coming at some point. They just they're putting together too many of these games and not doing it that at least once it's got to occur. And I just really hope it comes soon. Maybe even twice it can occur. Yeah, it's just like, it's kind of an, an, I don't, I want to say inevitable, but then I kind of don't because what if it doesn't? Right, yeah. But I feel like there has to be a tipping point. There has to be a tipping point where, you know, we continue to see non-scoring first periods or garbage second periods or them giving up five goals and then coming back and scoring six in the third. Like, there has to be a tipping point where there can just be like a solid game. Everything just clicks and they're just amazing and all the goals go in and I rejoice all night like an asshole just, you know, throwing it in everybody's face. Oh god. What what a night that will be, hopefully, eventually. But while we're talking about possession, let's just give an update on exactly where the Kings are standing. Even last night, even though they had a very weird first period against the Islanders where during the first period of that particular game against the Islanders, they were below 50% in terms of possession, but after they scored, it went up. And so by the end of the game, they had uh, controlled possession for 60% of the time. In general, the Kings are still at the top of the league in terms of possession. They're number one at five, uh, five on five, but number two, five on five score close, which some people put a little more weight behind because they think teams play to their true capabilities when they are trailing a little bit um, and try to tie it up. So their second... 5-1-5 score close. The number one team is Chicago, which isn't very surprising. They seem to just be trading back and forth with Chicago in the number one, number two spot during this point in the season. We'll see if that continues. But I thought it was interesting that four of the top 10 possession players in the NHL right now are Kings. Specifically, four of the top five players, possession players in the NHL right now, are Kings players, which is amazing. Three of them Probably you could name right now because you expected and you would be right. They are Justin Williams, Andre Kopitar, and Dustin Brown. But there is one surprising name. <laughs> At some point, Jake Muzzin snuck up in there and he is now one of the top five possession players in the league. He's the top defenseman in terms of possession. Top defenseman. And then kind of ju- uh, jumps around a little bit among spots when you look at all skaters, but he is up there and it is crazy to me. I love it. I love it so much. For as much as we are constantly chanting, damn it, Muzzin, he's been doing all right. I mean, he still takes dumb penalties, but I guess after those dumb penalties, those two minutes that he can't get the puck, he just 
clings to that thing. He is very interesting to watch. I mean, obviously, I keep thinking of that ESPN list or whatever that put him as 50th best defenseman. (laughs) 50th best defenseman, (laughs) Jake Muzzin. It's really interesting, like, when he's paired with certain people, he doesn't seem to take the same opportunities on the ice, but then you put him with someone like Drew Doughty in particular, he seems to do really well with, and Doughty's really good at opening up ice for people, and Jake Muzzin takes advantage of it. He had an amazing game, I think it was the Oilers game, Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that was the one, where his Corsi 4 percentage was 90%. Just That's ridiculous. Insane. Uh, The last... 10 or so games he hasn't been super outstanding and he's had he struggled a little bit against the best teams like st louis he had some trouble against the sharks in their arena he had some trouble against but he for the most part he's coming up over 50 percent in these games pretty consistently so far this season and it's kind of impressive and apparently even with the times he struggles it's enough to put him at the top of all d-men in the league and that is awesome to me this is, I mean, I hope we get to say it more, kind of like when we're unexpecting to be like, yay, Dwight King, or like, yay, Robin Regeer, which I continue to say, and it continues to surprise me. Um, maybe Jake Muzzin will get off our shit list and is now someone that we love. I, yeah. I mean, he's got a great, he's got a great hard shot, and uh, we were talking about this the other day, just he, everyone else seems to tip it in, but the initial shot from the point is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he set up some great goals so far this season. I think his ultimate test, because there was that month last season where he was like player of the month or whatever, and he had been doing really well. And then people sort of got on his back because he kind of fell apart during the playoffs, suddenly was completely untrustworthy on the ice. But I think that will be his test this season is that if he continues to play well in the regular season and then carries it over into the playoffs, I think people could have a lot more confidence in Jake Muzzin as a player. So the other people in the top 10, just because I thought it was interesting when I was looking this up, the other uh, top 10 possession guys, four of them are Blackhawks, and then two of them are randomly Boston Bruins, Louis Erickson and Patrice Bergeron. Of the Blackhawks, they also had one player that was kind of surprising to me, and I'm just going to go on a tangent really quick and talk a little bit about the Blackhawks, but then bring it back to the Kings, is Andrew Shaw, who... I didn't think of as a possession player, but apparently he's doing pretty well so far (laughs) this season. Among people like Jonathan Taves and uh, Brent Seabrook, I think is another one of the Blackhawks people who are in the top. That's what I love about stats, Corsi, all that junk, because, I mean, there's the eyeball test of watching a game, and obviously the big names are going to be dominant, you can tell that immediately, but sometimes it's a little sneaky, those people who are extremely effective on the ice, that you might not notice because they're doing something terrible like egregiously terrible um but when they're not doing that they're succeeding very well yeah and uh another reason i was thinking about it with andrew shaw and i told diane this yesterday actually is i feel like andrew shaw even though i find him annoying plenty of times when i watch blackhawks games he's been slightly less annoying so far this season but in general he's kind of a pesty guy is he seems like a player who could have or should have ended up on the Kings in a lot of ways to me, which might sound ridiculous and kind of random. But I was thinking about like when Daniel Carcillo was traded, one of the reasons they were talking about uh, Daniel Carcillo being traded is that he was originally brought to the team to be that sort of fast, like pesty guy who could score some dirty goals. And then he ended up either injured, scratched, 
um, a little more often than they would have liked and Andrew Shaw they acquired he filled that role and he scored pretty consistently and then they didn't need Daniel Carcillo anymore and Daniel Carcillo totally appealed to Dean Lombardi ends up on the Kings team and I think that coupled with the fact that Andrew Shaw is a, a player who was passed over in the draft totally seems like somebody who could have been part of the Los Angeles Kings but has somehow ended up on the Blackhawks especially now when you see that he apparently has some pretty great possession abilities and potential it's just kind of interesting to me it's just something I'm going to throw out there Andrew Shaw Los Angeles King things that could have been that would have been fun. I, uh, we were also talking about this. We want him to be on a line, or I want him to be on a line with, like, Mike Richards so that they can just mess people up. Yeah. Just be, like, super aggressive and annoying, just, like, constantly trying to get at the puck and uh, being feisty little shits, essentially. Right, yeah. Like, they're both small guys. Um, yeah. And really just super feisty and will throw down with pretty much anybody, or at least get in somebody's face, and they would be a menace on the same line. The, what was the name that you... Oh, gosh. Oh, the rude line. The rude line. Oh, the rude... Because <laughs> they would just be rude. Like, that's the only way that you could uh, say it, is that they, they would just be, like, rude to everyone yeah. about everything all the time. And then uh, Rude Boy by Rihanna would be their, <laughs> their walk-on song. Every time something happened with that line on the ice, just play that song. That would be amazing. And it can't be... And I actually, I want it to be Rude Boy on the organ. Yes. Yes, I love that. <laughs> that would be amazing. Uh, what could have been? But Andrew Shaw, not a Los Angeles king. Um, although, <laughs> I mean, we've seen some some interesting movement lately. So here are the roster changes. We've mentioned a little bit about the injuries. Like I said, uh, Lewis and Matt Green have been skating again. They both participated in practices with the team. No return date. No, I'm rooting so hard for Trevor Lewis. This makes me upset. He'll, he'll score something eventually. Eventually, it will be Trevor Lewis's time. We will both be so excited. We will cut the sleeves off of our t-shirts and cheer in his honor. Maybe, I don't know, get some sort of uh, Superman cape to also cheer because... Sorry, just tangent to that holiday Oh, uh, please, please do. <laughs> because that holiday party picture, uh, for Willie Mitchell posted a picture of the Kings all having a holiday pajama party, and it was glorious. I posted it on Twitter, so maybe you saw that. I loved it. I sent Diane so many all caps about it, because what? And of course, Trevor Lewis is like dead center, pretty much, with his Superman onesie on, and it was amazing. And then Slava Voinov is wearing a very fantastic um, grandpa sweater. Yes. And, but most importantly, I don't know, maybe most, most importantly, Mike Richards is wearing a bathrobe. <laughs> Everyone else is in like festive pajamas that they bought for the occasion, or you know, maybe they just had it in their closet. I don't know them. Um, but Mike Richards is a grumpy old man just wearing a robe and like probably a Rednecks Rebellion hat. Yes, I don't. I I guess he just didn't understand the festive pajama part, or maybe he's just not down with going to buy special pajamas for a party. That photo is that photo is my life. I love it. Every time I think of it, I am obsessed with Slavovoynov's grandpa sweater. Mr. Slava's Neighborhood. I'm ready for him to tell me a story. Oh my gosh. About his little puppet friends. That would be so delightful. <laughs> I just love it. I love his little, like, side pose and his smile. That's the best one. And of course, everybody mentioned how murdery Dwight King looks, even though actually all of them have terrifying flash, camera flash eyes in this photo. Uh, but still, it's full of greatness for everybody. Ben Scrivens with his arm around Alec Martinez just drinking, focused on his cup. I respect that lifestyle. Jonathan Quick 
on one knee, but also jamming food into his mouth. Yeah. I feel ya. That is also me at a party. <laughs> Any party. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Just had a tangent to that because amazing. I'm kind of sad that it seemed like, you know, because he was sent down, Tanner Pearson didn't get to go to the holiday party. Yeah, that's upsetting. That's unfortunate. <sighs> I forgot what I was saying before. I don't know. It was probably about Trevor Lewis. Oh yeah, him scoring and being Superman. So he'll come back. He'll, you know, take his rightful place as a goal scorer and the Superman of his team, and then eventually still make it onto the Olympic team. That's the goal for Trevor Lewis. <laughs> oh my season. gosh. I need, like, if at any point when he comes back, there's, like, an empty net. I don't care if he's on the ice. Someone hustle off <laughs> the ice, get him on, and give him that empty net goal. Which he'll probably fan on, and then I'll cry even more. Oh yeah, he will probably fan on it, or like try not try to shoot it until he's behind the net again. <laughs> Wrap around on an empty net. <laughs> Despite all of the injuries and line changing and whatnot that the Kings have seen the last few weeks, they managed to come out of the month of November with a seven-one-four record. We all know that. It- a lot of that was due to Ben Scrivens keeping them in some of those games. Amazing. But they've also won the three games they've played in December so far. So they have a 10-1-4 record in their last 15 games, which is awesomely dominant. Even though maybe I'm just like a total pessimist all the time, and that's truly possible. But it's weird. I didn't think about it that way because there have been plenty of times where I'm like hollering at them to do more. I think in the I, we both do this uh, in that we're extremely pessimistic and we focus on like God, why didn't they score in the first period when they had like twenty shots on goal? Yeah. Or you know we kind of nitpick and focus on the things that happen in particular games when in the grand scheme of things they won and we're upset about it because they should have been more dominant. But I guess like at the end of the day. They did what they needed to do, and they won that game. It wasn't pretty. It didn't make us happy. It wasn't, like, a dominant game throughout, but they did it. And uh, we, we tend to focus on the uh, the little the little bits, the dumb penalties. Oh, my gosh. Offensive zone penalties. Four days, everyone. But they, they managed to pull out wins. Their jam is offensive zone penalties. <laughs> they love them. Although, actually, I mean, I should take some time to give them credit, though. Their penalty kill has been pretty great lately. I I mean, it's garbage and as disheartening as it is to watch the Kings on the power play these days, their penalty kill has remained pretty strong. Um, So I guess if you're going to take a million penalties, at least know how to kill them. We were actually talking about this. Like, is it possible to just uh, forfeit a power play? They need to figure it out. I (laughs) Because at this point, I'm just like, oh, uh, someone else on the other team got a penalty. It's fine. Just uh, just apologize. Uh, Pat on the back, and let's just continue to play five on five because the Kings power play is dog shit. I really appreciated Jared Stoll uh, during one of the Kings' last power plays, or maybe the very last power play of the Islanders game, where they had a minute and then he took a penalty in the offensive zone to erase it and send us to four and four hockey. Because the Kings are such a great possession team, I posited to Diane, like, what if they just do that all the time? As soon as somebody takes a penalty, like, if you can't forfeit it, just immediately, um, or as soon as someone draws a penalty, I should say, immediately have someone on the Kings team take a penalty and just give us four and four. They have much better chances of scoring during that time. The Kings just force coincidental minors all t- like all the time. Yeah, I think that's the route that they should go because they do pretty well at even strength. And then they can just work on having those even strength possession numbers 
be replicated in four and four situations rather than focus on improving a power play, because I think one of those seems vastly more likely than the other at this point in the season. It's so dumb. They should be better with a man advantage. You have four people <laughs> on the ice. Statistically, that is, I mean, I guess it makes sense. Statistically, they should be scoring a shit ton of goals, and they haven't. Yeah. So statistically, with a man, they should be doing better, but they're terrible. So why don't I just drink myself? It's today? so disappointing to watch. I just feel sad like I don't even feel angry about it I just feel so sad watching them and I really 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 just want them to do anything to avoid having to put themselves in that situation because it hurts me agreed um I have a question and I just remembered this while we were talking about something else earlier this week there was that tweet that sort of sent off Kings fans and bloggers a little bit from MC79 Hockey who's a stats person Uh, about how the Kings are a terrible, boring team to watch play. I didn't write down the exact tweet, but basically he was saying that the Chicago Blackhawks and their cups should laugh at the Kings and their cup because of the fact that Kings play such terrible, boring hockey. Obviously, my favorite team is the Kings, so I don't spend as much time watching other hockey teams. But it made me wonder, is a defensive team or a team that you know, takes care of their own zone first, and that's their identity. Does that make for more boring hockey? I don't think so, personally. Like, I don't mind seeing another team try to score and the Kings shut them down. I mean, maybe I am biased, but I feel like that's the same way with um, watching other teams as well. I mean, I guess they play a grindier game, and it's not as flashy. And, like, I know he's a fan. I was, like deeply upset by this this tweet because I have feelings and I'm a huge homer and I don't like when people say bad things about the Kings, whether they be true or not. <laughs> but I mean, he is, he's an Oilers fan. He, they've got some great skaters on there and they can whip out some moves. And I understand why you might think that the, the Kings are boring to watch, but to like, the uh, it like infuriates me to be like, oh, this Stanley Cup is better because it was funner to watch. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry that the Kings are a hardworking team and won a cup, continue to be at the bottom of the league Oilers. Like, I don't... That's that's silly to me. Yeah. I think the other funny thing about that particular comment, the cup comment, was that that cup run for the Kings was one of the, I guess, few times, I maybe can say, in recent years where they've had no problem scoring goals. Maybe, like, up until that game against the New Jersey Devils, or where it was, like, the final score was, like, one nothing, and the Kings were shut out, I believe. Other than that, they played in a way that was a lot prettier in general or from what we expect usually. But I think overall, like, same thing. I don't mind watching defensive hockey. It's a different style, of course, and not as flashy. Kopitar had a beautiful goal last night, and that pass from Alec Martinez amazing. But things like that just don't happen for the Kings that often. And I guess if you are someone who watches hockey for the pretty goal scoring all the time, then maybe a defensive team, whether it be the Kings or even like the Bruins are a more defensive team, it can seem, I guess, a little boring. I mean, I feel like that was also like, even though we all love to laugh at a Mark uh, Spector's complaint with like the Kings Blue series is they just grinded through that whole series. But I don't, I mean, I think it's, uh, you have to sort of adjust your expectations, but I think it's just as exciting to watch a team play really well defensively uh, as, you know, watching fast teams score goals. I think on the flip side, for me, sometimes when I'm watching really fast defensive teams, like the Oilers, it's like, all right, you could score and it's great, but it would be really nice if you weren't completely sloppy 
any other time. That's yeah. It's like I mean the Mar- the Mark Spector thing was hilarious because it was just I mean blatantly untrue to our opinion and to the general public media everyone's opinion. Most people said that that was the best series of the playoffs because it was just so physical and it was two good teams battling against each other. But I'm fine if other people find Kings hockey boring or um, if it's ugly or they care not to watch them. Like, I'm cool with that because there's definitely teams that I just don't find appealing to me for whatever reason. Not necessarily that they play a defensive game or an offensive game or what have you. I just don't care to watch them. Right. But, like, it was really just the... uh, the the whole like ragging on the cup win right like yeah. why they earn that don't take that away from them it's silly like you don't have to win the cup in a particular way mm-hmm. like that's that's not a thing the kings won it period yeah. i'm getting enraged <laughs> so like the grand the, the thing to take away is that fine whatever you like whatever hockey you like to watch the kings won the cup so everyone can shut up woohoo agreed and down. I'm not sure he's okay. Uh, there's no question that this one's a penalty. A large five-minute major penalty power play for the Kings. All right, five-minute majors. I'm going to run through all of the things that we have here, and then we're going to talk about them. Give this a shot. First, Lundqvist signs a new contract with the New York Rangers for $59.5 million for seven years. Um, California leading the NHL. Deal with it. The Edmonton Oilers killed the Colorado Avalanche 8-2, which we touched on a little bit, but maybe we'll talk about a little more. The Boston-Pittsburgh game last night. What? Way crazier than I expected it to be. And on the same night, or same day, actually, this was an afternoon game, Tyler Sagan gets a natural hat trick in Dallas against Philadelphia. So let's start with the Lundquist contract. Average cap hit on it is $8.5 million until the year 2021. There were some interesting pros and cons, but I I don't know. I was a little bit surprised to see how many people were like, what? That's a bad move. I don't know. Did you see a lot of that? Um, I saw a lot of just like speculation about the amount of money and for the, the long term deal. I mean, I feel like it's always going to be scrutinized because like goalie development and just like the health of goalies are so it's just so fickle. Like, it's, it's always kind of, not suspicious, just, like, you want to be a little bit wary about these huge deals. I mean, obviously, Rick DiPietro, first overall, huge contract, and then just got let go from his, you know, checkers uh, contract or what have you. Right. Yeah, I, I guess it's just, like, well, how is it worth it? I mean, especially since... Uh, to kind of connect it to the Kings, whether or not this is actually accurate, but the fact that Ben Scrivens has picked it up so much, um, while Quick has been gone, and a bunch of backups, like Josh Harding, uh, well, yeah, Josh Harding has been doing very well, and just all of these goaltenders who are backups that have been kind of lighting it up a little bit, like, is it worth it to sink so much money into a a goalie, like, centerpiece for the team? Yeah. And I think it's an attitude that has really come about in the last couple of seasons. Because, like, even a lot of people were upset about the Jonathan Quick contract when it happened. They were like, the Kings are going to be handcuffed by this contract. And then, you know, he did struggle in the regular season last season. and But he put up great numbers in the playoffs. He struggled in the games he started before he went down with an injury. You also have, like, the complete failure for the Flyers that Brzezgalov ended up being... And then, um, like, Bobrovsky last season won the Vesna, 
has he's now out with an injury as well but you know before he went out he started 23 games and had a save percentage of 909 and goals against average 2.72 so I feel like there's been a lot of with the salary cap coming down probably the thing that's been scrutinized the most I think is the goalie contract and and adding to that being like you had Corey Crawford and um, Ray Emery for Chicago who at the time weren't making crazy money split the season that way they both were full of energy and then Corey Crawford you know stuck it out through the entire playoffs so I think a lot of people are now asking these questions like is there a better way to manage goaltending and do you have to pay a lot of money to get these amazing results but at the same time we are now in the middle of this trend where goalies are still getting these huge contracts anyway so it's weird it's a weird balance, and I wonder if we'll see a shift. Will other goaltenders, if somebody else has a crazy standout year, will they get a huge pay raise? Like, that was a question that I mentioned last podcast, the podcast before with Ben Scrivens. I read that article that was like, well, he, you know, needs to be resigned at the end of the season. If he continues to play well and if he has enough starts, is he going to get a huge contract from somebody? Will somebody give it to him? And it's kind of like, Maybe, but at the same time, now people are starting to wonder, but why would you do that for a goaltender? So it's interesting mix of reactions I saw on Twitter um, with this Lung- Lundquist contract. Especially with the salary cap being raised, most likely, in the next few years, um, it'll be interesting to see how they deal with that. Whether they do these long... I think it's the long-term thing that's kind of, you know, who knows. Like it, I, I, I'm fine with like a short... I mean, I'm sure the players aren't fine, but... I'm fine with like a short deal with a fairly high cap hit because it's it's one of those things, you know, uh, nowadays, you know, you play the goalie with a hot hand. And so if that's what it is, give them a couple of years and then see where it goes from there. Moving on to California leading the NHL. Technically, they're not completely leading the NHL yet. Right now, Anaheim is tied for first place in points with Chicago. Chicago has played one less game, so they get the number one spot. That still means, effectively, that all of the California teams take up the second, third, and fourth spot in the NHL. California is awesome. Here's another example. I feel really good about it. I just wanted to take a minute to bask. Oh, I will forever. Give me, like, five minutes and a bullhorn by myself, and I'll just be like, West Coast is the best. West Coast, West Coast. California best. We're awesome. State of hockey. Go away, Minnesota. (laughs) Right. And uh, Penguins coach... Dan Bilesma, the when the Penguins and the San Jose Sharks were playing, he said that he thinks the San Jose Sharks are the best team in the NHL. Yes, even over Chicago, that San Jose Sharks are pretty much unstoppable. Obviously, it wasn't reflected necessarily in the game that night because the Penguins killed the Sharks. But I don't think he's necessarily wrong in terms of uh, quality of play and consistency, especially the San Jose Sharks have been tough like even Chicago has had a couple more really disappointing games so far this season but the Sharks I'm pretty sure every team that plays them is kind of afraid I'm afraid I'm afraid of the Sharks in general I'm afraid that the, the Sharks are gonna do really well I mean good for them I guess I don't hate them but no it's <laughs> basically how I feel about all of this right now <laughs> I I've realized that I don't mind if the Sharks actually do really well this season as long as it doesn't mean they have to go through the Kings to do it again? I just, I want them to do well. I don't want them to win the cup because I still think it's funny 
that they're the only <laughs> to be team able to without rub that the in their faces. <laughs> yes. Oh, more of that. Southern California best, to be more particular. So yeah, right. That's where it really is. And by Southern California, we mean Los Angeles, not yes. Orange County. <laughs> no. Although, uh, just to go a little bit um, off tangent. Speaking of Chicago, I guess, and Anaheim, they one of the reasons that they're tied now, I mean, it wasn't the last game that Anaheim played to get them tying points, but one of the reasons that they were able to catch up to Chicago is because they played Chicago uh, the game before last. And it was kind of, I mean, last season, Anaheim was the only team that Chicago couldn't beat. Anaheim won all of their games against Chicago, who were dominating everybody and they still couldn't manage to uh, get a win out of them the other night problem team for chicago anaheim will not be denied even though they are not that great a possession team or whatever they seem to get it done even against the top top uh, teams in the league so california it's a problem and and then the next night the ducks went on to kill the blues so even the Central Division, which is another competitive division in this league, you know, come to California, you got nothing. Edmonton killed the Colorado Avalanche on Thursday, December 5th. I just want to take some time to bask in this because it was awesome to see. I think Semyon Varlamov is trash, and I like any opportunity at this point to see him suffer. I was so glad that for some reason... Uh, Patrick Waugh left him in the game for all eight of those goals. Oh, that was beautiful. Three three of those goals by Taylor Hall. Yeah. Um, and that, which was, which was great. Um, it was really funny because we were, I mean, I was half watching it, but I had turned it off thinking that, because I was trying to do something else, uh, I turned it off thinking like, oh, what else is going to happen? You know, and this is back when it was like 5-2 or something like that. And, and things kept coming. <laughs> it just, it kept being great. I really enjoyed it. So good job, Oilers, for uh, making that happen. Of all of the teams that Colorado has faced recently, I am surprised that they were the team to offer that kind of beating, but I'm very grateful for it anyway. <laughs> and then immediately after that, I ended up watching uh, parts of the Sam Gagne's eight-point game from, from back in oh, the day. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, um, uh, that was good. let me just embarrass myself to everyone. I totally didn't realize Sam Gagne had come back, and it has been a few weeks of him playing again. That's how little I actually pay attention to the Oilers. I was like, oh, Sam Gagne's back. How long has he been back? Oh, since the beginning of November. <laughs> That's. I feel like it's because, like, if he hadn't posted that picture of his face just demolished, um, because in my head, injuries take way longer to, uh, be fixed on, you know, us mere mortals than hockey players. I expected him to be out longer, but no. Yeah. I was like, oh, he's gonna, it's gonna be a while. So I was really surprised to see that actually he was playing and had been playing. And then, so two, two, uh, interesting games yesterday. I guess we'll start with the Boston Pittsburgh game, which actually for the most part, w- like in the middle of it, wasn't that crazy, but it had a pretty intense first period and then the very end of the game was intense these teams obviously recent history everybody knows the boston bruins swept the penguins in the playoffs last season penguins only managed to score two goals throughout the entire series and it was a surprising slash hilarious time first period of the game yesterday brooks orpik hits louis erickson 
Louis Erickson has had concussion issues so far this season. He goes down. People immediately think that probably he's re-aggravated those symptoms. And Sean Thornton, I guess, took it upon himself to pull Brooks Orpik to the ice. And not only he didn't stop there, though, which was the problem, is he then proceeded to punch him in the face until Brooks Orpik was unconscious. Yeah, not great. Um, it's one thing to get in a fight and, you know, things happen. I understand that. That's part of the game. But this was literally, they were all just standing around in kind of like a little scrum. Sean Thornton pulls him down, falls, and Brooks Orpik gets his head mashed against the ice. Yeah. And then is subsequently uh, stretchered off. Luckily, he went to the hospital, but was cleared and flew back with the, the Penguins. So, I mean, he's fine. Hopefully, technically, but that was pretty, uh, that was pretty gross, is what I'm gonna say. Pull him down, whatever, get, uh, uh, a roughing or get a unsport, unsportsmanlike conduct, but, uh, just like punching his face into the, that was not cool. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. He completely, it seems, just let his emotions get away from him, and that was inexcusable. It, although it was weird because, as a lot of people noted on Twitter and stuff, Sean Thornton historically has been someone who approaches the sort of grinder part of the hockey game, you know, in hockey culture, with some respect, usually. You know, as much as you can, I guess, if you're going to grind it out. That, though, inexcusable on every level and surprising to see. But he wasn't the only one that made a ridiculous decision. Uh, in the same period, James Neal on the Pittsburgh Penguins knees Brad Marchand in the head. And it was an interesting thing. Like, it, it kind of, I feel like if you wanted to really defend James Neal, you could be like, oh, it was kind of accidental. But it was probably accidental on purpose. Oh, so. yeah, it was It was definitely accidental on purpose. And I think I saw a James Neal interview and... I don't know if he can lie to save his life because it didn't it didn't look good. And that was also equally disgusting. Like, I, I understand, like, the kind of, like, skating roll close to a dude, you know, kind of being vaguely threatening. But Marshawn was down on the ice. Like, I mean, Neil didn't, like, super obviously stick his knee out, but... Right, yeah. It but was still, not a great. to the head. Come yeah. on. So crazy. But, um, Sean Thornton has an in-person interview, so we'll... Or interview, in, an in-person hearing... So we'll see how many games he gets for that thing with Brooks Orpic. James Neal has a phone hearing, so he can't get any more than five, although many people are calling for, for more for him and, like, double that for, for Sean Thornton. But So we'll see how that all shakes out in the end. And it's a bummer because, I mean, well, Sean Thornton doesn't have a history, so um, that'll be interesting to see how that works out. But James Neal does. But, I mean, he still can't get more than five games. Yeah, and then uh, just some other things that happened during the game. Chris Kelly broke an ankle after being slashed. And, you know, uh, as I mentioned earlier in this podcast, but just to say it again, Louis Erickson does, in fact, have a concussion again. So, brutal game, and those two teams can just calm down now. <laughs> Equally brutal, though, was the way that Boston won. Oh, um, my God, it yeah. was <laughs> It was up 2-1 for Pittsburgh, into the third, and then near the very end, like something like a minute and a half left, David Krejci ties it up. And we talked about, I think you mentioned on Twitter, it was like, well, that was a King's thing to do, like give a goal late in the period to tie it up when you had it in the bag for so King's. The, like most of the first period, or most of the first period, the entire second period, you know, and then uh, a lot of the third and just to give it up at the end. But that wasn't the Kingsiest thing that they did. Um, because no. with something like 12 seconds left, the Boston Bruins captains, Dan O'Chara, just risked one and for the win. 
Yeah. Much yeah. like the, our Calgary games. In the last oh. 30 seconds, you got to clench because sh- shit's going to happen. <laughs> and that's what happened to the Pittsburgh Penguins and watching Zidane Chara terrifyingly score that and then celebrate. Yeah, and then they fall 3-2 in regulation. It was so like the Kings games against Calgary where they have given up really late goals. Uh, and then uh, obviously people were also saying that the Penguins managed to uh, leafs it against the Boston Bruins. <laughs> so it's just a rough time, just a rough way to go out if you're the Pittsburgh Penguins in that game. Oh, that's so sad, though. Let's stop referring to it as, like, leafing or kicking or anything. <laughs> I guess congratulations to Boston for pulling out that win. Although I, the most interesting sort of scoring that happened last night or yesterday, Tyler Sagan in Dallas scores a natural hat trick all in the second period and two of those goals were like within the same minute of play oh it was like within 40 seconds and uh it was fantastic crazy to me and it was free hat day which is always fun and if you guys remember because i always do because i watch his hat tricks on youtube sometimes jeff carter also uh did the same thing it was free hat day at uh at the staples center and scored a hat trick against a team that he tends to score hat-tricks against for whatever reason, the Nashville Predators, and it rained hats down. It was the third hat-trick of Sagan's NHL career, but the second one this season, because let's not forget, in November on the 14th, when they were playing the Flames, he scored four goals. Tyler Sagan doing pretty good in Dallas so far. Uh, shout out to their little rookie, uh, Nishushkin. I'm oh, sure yeah. I just slurred that incorrectly, but uh, <laughs> who got four points. Because I just love when rookies do well. I love when yeah, rookies too. blow it up. So good for him. I'm, I'm glad that Tyler Seconds getting some uh, has some chemistry with his team. Like, obviously, him and Jamie Benn have been excellent together. So And it's only early December, so maybe he can do a hat trick of hat tricks. In one oh, season. that would be delightful. That would be fun. What would you throw on the ice if it were a hat trick of hat tricks? Oh, that's a good question. Just like a bucket of hats? <laughs> right. Some very special hats. Like, I don't know for the Dallas Stars. A cowboy hat? Oh, that would be delightful. <laughs> I mean, obviously you wouldn't be able to, like, gauge when he was going to score um, a third hat trick. Right, but yeah. if there were just If everybody could just come prepared. Raining down. <laughs> just everybody be on uh, hat trick of hat tricks watch for Tyler Sagan and have your cowboy hats ready. <laughs> That's the way to go, I think. That'd be great. <laughs> all right. I think that's all we have for this week. As always, come back and hang out with us again next week. If you are not listening on iTunes, listen to us on iTunes. It makes things so much easier for you. Um, if you're not following us on Twitter, follow us at ThanksBud or individually. I am at Chanel Berlin. And I'm at AKA Diane Fan. And uh, it's a great time. So do that. Make your life more exciting. Until then, or until next week, I should say, take care of yourselves. Goodbye, friends. Bye, friends.